I Am a Killer is the name of the Netflix documentary. The episode is A Silent Order. Our guest today is Michelle Strand, and she tells us about her journey with ex-husband Brandon, including the filming of the documentary, what Brandon was really like, and some things the documentary may have left out. Join us today as we do another background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. All right, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Radio, presented by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. If you'd like to know more about Forgiven Felons and what they do, please visit their website at ForgivenFelons.org. And if you'd like to join their monthly newsletter, just shoot me an email. All right. I'm really excited about the podcast today. I've gotten to know Michelle a little bit over the past year, and she's just an amazingly strong woman. Today, we're going to hear her story of faith in God, loyalty to her family, and commitment to seeing justice done. And we'll talk a little bit about the documentary, too. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, as I've gotten to know you a little more, I guess we've known each other for about a year, but we just recently yeah. started talking more. And, um, and I'm just, it's really neat to, I've seen the documentary. And... Um, so let, let's just talk about that documentary. It's called I Am a, I Am a Killer, uh, and your guy's episode is called Silent Order, yes. and it's in season two. Correct. So how did that all, I mean, how did, how did it come about? Did they, they call you? They call Brandon? Did y'all have to pray about it, talk about it, or what, what, how did it come about? Um, you know, we... We did talk about it. Uh, they contacted him first, um, and then he talked with me about it. And we hadn't talked probably for a good six months or so. You know, and we, we would do that. We would, you know, there would be some gaps in our communication, and then we would pick up right where we, right where we left off. Right. Um, so they talked with him first. He talked with me about it. And I told him, I said, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm going to have to think about it. Um, you know, I told him, you know, I want to, I want, I want to share and I want to do something to help you. Um, but I've, I've got to think about it. And it was, it was a difficult decision for me to make. Um, was he on board right from the beginning? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that he was ready and I think that it was perfect timing. Um, I think that there was enough time for him to get over maybe some of the, the fear yeah. of talking about it. Right. I do believe there are more details um, than what he what he shared or um, what he was able to share in the time that he was given. Gotcha. Um, so that is just my opinion. Um, it's not anything that he shared with me, but I, I've known Brandon since I was um, 
almost 18, right. just, uh, 17, just about to turn 18. And, uh, so how did y'all, I yeah, know him pretty well. I could hear fear in his voice. Yeah. So. And, and I'm, I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. You know, I watched it too. And it did have a sense of, um, of him being careful, uh, in yeah. what he says. And I understand that. Um, and re- respectful, um, yeah. not whether someone deserves it or not. Brandon carried a level of respect for people. Right. Um, and that's one of the things that really endeared me to him is he, he carried a level of respect for, for everyone. Yeah. Um, whether and, they deserved it or not. And I think that, I mean, even, even knowing, even him admitting what he did and then explaining his thought process the whole time about he was doing it because he was just trying to survive, you know? And I don't know too many people in his position <laughs> that would right. have done too much different. I mean, yes, in hindsight, everybody says, yeah, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have done that differently. But when, when you're scared for your own life, you know, it's kind of hard to say what you would or wouldn't do in his position. And so I, um, you know, in the documentary, he talks about, you know, I mean, you find out some things in more detail in the documentary than you knew in real life. Uh, and yeah. he explains why he held on to those things. You know, I mean, I was probably going to talk about this later, but, um, you know, when, when everybody was watching it, you know, our forgiven felons, we all watched it together. Um, and they yeah. understood when they heard him explain, I did it to protect my family. I did it to protect yeah. my wife and uh and everybody that that was close to me I did it pr- to protect them we understood that so all right well how did you guys meet i mean before all this <laughs> there was a there was a moment when y'all met for the first time and we yeah. want to hear about it well we had we had mutual friends so his rendition is a little bit different although it it that was that was true. And that was a part of how we met. He also um, knew some girlfriends of mine. They were in the same class. Right. I never had a class with Brandon, but he knew me and he saw me, you know, walking in the halls and, and stuff. So he um, handed off a note to me and I don't remember exact details of how that occurred, but he handed off a note to me and he actually had to remind me about this. Yeah. Um, and it um, said, do you like me? And it was a yes or no checkbox. And, so um, you know, he remembered that and he had to remind me of it. But, you know, of course, that's something that, uh, you know, that I guess, you know, you wouldn't want to. That's pretty personal. Yeah. You know, yeah. pretty personal to share. So yeah. um, that's how we met, you know, mutual friends. And, you know, I was making some poor decisions. I was experimenting with some some things and I was kind of rebellious and, um, well, what did you think about him when you first met him and, and what did you check? Yes or no? Well, I checked. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure. You know, I remember explicitly remember being on the phone with my friend, Melissa and, um, her saying to me, um, you know, he likes you. What do you, you know, what do you think of him? I said, uh, I don't know. You know, I just, I, I didn't know what I thought at first. And, um, the more I was around him, um, the more that I, I grew to, to like him and and love him. And, you know, his, his family at that time, 
Um, everybody was, you know, always at Lori and Bill's house. Um, Bill hung sheetrock. Um, he was strong work ethic, rock solid. And Lori um, he's and Bill, always Lori and Bill are who? Hutchison. The mom and dad. Mom and dad. Sorry, okay. I feel no like problem. I'm talking to a friend here. Yes, that, that you are knows talking to a friend, but yes, okay. So, Lori and Bill Hutchison, um, Brandon's mom and dad, they had um, family over all the time, you know, and um, so it was a great place to be. Um, it was, you know, a um, little dysfunctional, little little crazy, um, but the family. Um, you know, the, the door was always open yeah. and I loved, I loved that. I loved that. So I fell in love with the family as well as Brandon. Um, and so and you that's have, you kind have, of in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. And so you have we two have, kids together. Right? We do. Jared and Jacob. Jared and yeah. Jacob. And, uh, who's the oldest? Jared. And what does he do right now? He is, um, an officer an investigator with, um, Pot County Sheriff's Department in Oklahoma. All right. Pottawatomie County. Man, all the cities in Oklahoma, except for Oklahoma City, sound like that. Yeah. Um, so, all right. And so, uh, and Jacob, your other, your other son lives in Missouri? He's in, he, yep, he's okay. in Missouri. Yep, right. going, through, going through recovery, and um, he's a machinist by trade. So, okay, all right. Yeah. So, um, do you think what they had to watch um, their father go through has had any effect on their lives, their life then and their life now? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. They were pretty young when we, when we moved to Missouri. I was in California, and Brandon was in Missouri when, when all this occurred. Um, and I didn't find out until shortly after New Year's Eve. I actually called Brandon's mom. Okay. And had no idea what had happened. So Jared was um, trying to think. He was five, and uh, Jacob was three. And then I had a little one um, because Brandon and I had a gap in seeing each other because the the addiction, his addiction, he always struggled with right. always. Yeah. Um, so um, and I had I had uh, Joel who is the youngest of my three oldest boys. Um, and he's considered part of the family. He was actually in Brandon's um, bill. Brandon's dad included him in the, um, in the memorial um, for Brandon. Um, and he was there. Yeah. He was there at the family gathering and everything after it was, um, he's just always been considered part of the family. That's so awesome. um, yeah, it's pretty awesome, but they were five, three, and one, when I took a train from California, all three of them on an Amtrak train and moved back to Missouri. Tell me, how did you hear about what happened? I didn't hear about what happened. <laughs> I, um, I had Brandon's mom's phone number. Okay. Um, I had had it for, um, I don't know, two or three weeks right. prior to what happened on New Year's Eve in 96. Okay. Um, I held on to it and I waited to call. and the feeling to call just got stronger and stronger, um, after, uh, new year's. And, um, I made that phone call. She was actually on the phone with Brandon at the County jail at the same time that I called, mm. which is kind of, you know, it's no, I don't believe in coincidence. I know right. everything is divinely set up. 
So, you know, they were on the phone at the same time. So she kind of went back and forth a little bit. Um, so she's telling and, you about what happened and you're hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And what was going through um, your mind whenever, when you heard all this? I was surprised. Well, what did she, what did, how did she break the news to you? What did she say? She at first told me Brandon was doing fine and working with his dad. And then she transferred over and talked to him and he told her he needed to just let her know. Gotcha. Um, and she told me, um, and she told me, you know, he's innocent. He, you know, this is what happened. And, um, I made the decision at that point to, to go back to Missouri. So. And and why did you feel that was important to move you and your kids back, back to Missouri? I, um, felt it was important to give him another chance to support him. Um, I had compassion for his situation. I, I always loved Brandon. Yeah. Um, but there, I'm, I'm very firm on what I will and won't allow myself to be available for. So was he surprised that you moved back to Missouri? I think he was surprised. He was so happy to, to see us and he was so happy. He was just really happy for us to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. good. All right. So man, you know, in the documentary, they, um, the documentary revealed, first of all, they were all, th- all three that were involved were tried separately. And yeah. I noticed that um, in the documentary, I noticed that the main guy, um, Mr. Uh, Freddie Lopez, Lopez. Yeah, Freddie Lopez um, seemed to have the same kind of defense that, that, that Brandon and, and Michael had, and they were all going away for a very long time. Brandon got the death sentence. Uh, Michael got life without parole and then Freddie decided to flip and testify against those two. Right. Um, but he seemed like he was still going to get second degree murder, 30 to 40 years. Correct. Uh, So when Brandon heard about that, about Freddie turning against him, what, what was Brandon, what was going on through his mind? Did he have any opinion about that or was he still just kind of staying silent about everything? He stayed silent about about those things. Um, I would try to talk in the visiting room and he would tell me we can't, we can't talk here. You know, um, there are times he got emotional and he would, um, you know, cry. Um, it was, it was rare, but he, I saw him cry. Um, and he would tell me, I can't do this here. So I would, you know, uh, back off. And I, I think I, I knew, I, I think that I felt, um, his, fear and his caution. And it made me, I was young, I was in my twenties and, right. and it, it made me angry. You yeah. know, it made me angry. Um, because I don't, I didn't understand the implications. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know. And, and like I said, there, I believe there are details that he did not share. Yeah. And, and, you know, there were two weapons. What was the purpose of the second weapon and why why wasn't that mentioned? Um, it was more than, it was a little more than a silent order. I firmly right. believe that. Yeah. I know at one point in the documentary, they talk about Freddie's family winning the lottery and being able Correct. to afford a, uh, a high priced attorney. And yeah, so, D, uh, D Wampler. Wampler, yeah. yes. And so, yeah. 
Uh, and it looked like from the documentary that Freddie and his wife were no longer married. So I don't know if all that money decided when he had all that money, he decided he didn't want to be married to her anymore. Or if she decided she didn't want to be married to him. I don't know. That didn't really say how they got divorced. You know, she was like, yeah, he sung like a bird. So she seemed surprised that he flipped on them. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know any more about it than I do. The, I don't. I have an opinion. I have yeah. a very strong opinion about all of it. Um, yeah. And I will um, keep my peace. I will say one thing, and that is I do not know how you can watch someone crawl on the ground and know they're dying and not call an ambulance right. and then talk about it yeah. on and like it's like it's nothing. Yeah, because um, she she watched she watched whichever brother it was. I don't remember. She watched them crawling. So why yeah. didn't she, I mean, she was trying to figure out, she was trying to put blame on, you know, uh, somebody for not calling the ambulance. Why didn't she call the ambulance? Correct. I, I, that's a good question. It's a good question. There's a lot of experiences that Brandon had as a child, a lot of background information that wasn't included. Um, you know, they, there was a whole story there that, yeah was not um, given credence to, was right. not utilized in his defense. And, um, and and even our guys at the house, I mean, for those listening, know that we have forgiven felons, so we have a residential house, and we all watched the documentary together. And, and they even had some questions like, well, how come this? And what about this? And, you know, and that, they, they sure. had some choice words about Freddie. Um, but, um but yeah, yeah, there there are some the questions I had. I looked at how long it lasted, like 40, 45 minutes. So I'm like, I think I think I needed about a an hour more of this documentary to to have my questions answered. But um, so that was the, but that was the main one. Was like, why didn't she? She sounded like she was blaming. She was praising Freddie for suggesting that we call they call an ambulance, but blaming blaming uh Brandon for not calling an ambulance, and so. That was my first thing. I was like, why didn't you, you know how to use a cell phone. So um, <laughs> I noticed in the documentary, it, it, it said once Freddie came into the money, mm-hmm. then he had enough, he had some money to negotiate a better deal. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? It's justice for money. It's wrong. It's wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't wholeheartedly agree with, um, the guy at the end of the documentary, who's he? Uh, one of the Gates, one of the one of the Yates brothers. Yeah, the old, the old man. Yes, I don't wholeheartedly yeah, agree with him, Gary. But I Gary, do. Yeah. But I do agree. Yeah. I do agree with him in a little bit that you shouldn't just be able to buy your way down to a, a lighter sentence. You know, correct. And right. um, right. and so, man, um, it really was uh, an impacting uh, documentary. Let me ask you some questions, though. What? Go for it. You're a very strong woman. Um, oh, Ed. How, how? And I'm sure you have times in your life where you have you feel weak. Um, sure. How hard was it raising raising your 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 kids without their father? It was um, challenging. It was very challenging. Um, <clears throat> it was very very difficult, um, very difficult decisions that, that I had to make. Um, I wasn't always the most patient 
you know, I'm, um, I'm a nurse, I'm a licensed practical nurse. Um, so I went through nursing school when they were young, worked, um, and, you know, later as they were growing up, I, I always carried a second job or had a job where I had overtime. Um, so I was tired. I was cranky. I was not very nurturing. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, you're one person trying to be both people. And it was hard because my heart was with Brandon, but my logical thought process was to um, pull away and to have some distance to kind of protect my boys a little bit, you know, is like I said, you know, he struggled with addiction. Um, and that was an ongoing, um, struggle, you know, um, and that can get very ugly. And, you know, if, if we do another podcast at another time, you know, I can, um, you know, share a little bit more about, uh, those things and, um, just, uh, some thoughts on, maybe what could have been done a little differently. Um, and you know, why, why I did what I did and some of the struggles that he had as well. Um, if that would help other people, um, I think that Brandon would approve and, um, it would help break the silence, um, for, for both of us. Right. Because I, you know, I believe that he's, you know, death is temporary. Life is permanent. He is still very active in our lives. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, so I think that he's, he's pleased with this. And, um, how much, how much of, do you think his upbringing, his childhood, the things he went through as a child, um, had an impact on how he lived as a teenager and even an adult? It had a huge impact. Um, he was not just sexually abused once, you know, sexual inappropriateness and other things were, um, it was, it was a problem in the family. Yeah. It was a problem. Yeah. Um, so it skewed a lot of things for him. Right. I think that um, that it created a lot of pain and confusion. I think that also when I said that Brandon was a gentle giant, but he could be easily intimidated. Um, you know, one of my boys said, you know, mom, that didn't. You made him sound like he's kind of a, a whim, you know, and, and that's not what I meant. And you don't get to explain those things in a documentary right, like right, that. Right. Um, he, because of the sexual abuse, because of some of the things that he encountered and he went through, you know, um, these were males, right. um, some of them, uh, that really, I think, impacted how he made the decisions he made that night with with Freddie. Mm. Um, and I think that there was a lot of fear and intimidation, you know, plus he was, he was very young, early twenties. He was still just a baby. So if he went against, I I think, I think it had a huge impact. I I know that it did. Because when he was a kid, if he didn't go with what was told to him, he would get in trouble. There were repercussions. Yeah. There's repercussions. And and then fast forward to this situation. He knew if yeah. he didn't want, didn't do what he was told, that there would, there would be consequences. Yeah, um, you know, and and so I, I believe he had some post traumatic stress oh, going yeah. on. Oh, um, yeah. You know, there were a lot of factors at play, and um, I just I really wish that our court system would not just look at innocence, but that they would look at those who've been found guilty 
and look at the background and look at more of the story in detail. And see where they can um, help to, them holistically instead of just punitive. Well, help them holistically. And some of these guys may be able to be released. People yeah. don't want to hear that. Yeah. They want them to suffer and punish punish them for the rest of their lives. And, and there are some people who are criminally insane and they are not appropriate to let back out in our society. Right. I agree. But I think that things could be done differently and we need to start asking those questions. Um, you know, where can we go with this? What needs to be different? Um, rehabilitating and looking at the background um, because Brandon could have come back out into society, been a productive member and also given back into the community and, um, you know, reached out and helped um, troubled youth, you know, men and youth who, who, you know, have experienced the same things same that thing. he had. Yeah. Sure. So in the documentary, yeah. you said you had faith in the justice system. You, you in fact, I, I think it was called, you said, I had faith in our justice system. And, um, you know, do you still have that same faith today in the justice system? I do. You do? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. Um, I know that there are people in our justice system, men and women, who fight very hard to, um, to do the right thing. I was too trusting and I was too naive. Um, I wish that I would have fought harder for Brandon. Um, I was very overwhelmed with the three kiddos. Um, you know, I, number one, my faith has always been, always been in God. Um, you know, and I think that at that time too, I, I was doing everything that I could and I was overwhelmed and my focus was my children and my husband. And, and I trusted that, that God was a good father and that he was a just judge And I still do. And I believe that everything that occurred, occurred exactly how God ordained it to occur. Do I understand always? No. But there's a greater purpose to this. And I think that we're just scratching the surface on what that is. Amen. I agree with that. You know, and and God's not ever (laughs) caught off guard by anything. No. He's Uh never up there going, oh, shoot, I did not see that coming. You know, and so I, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like everything that's happened is, is going gonna, is gonna to have an impact that we, like you said, we don't even know what that impact is yet, but I believe, I believe we're going we're gonna to see it. Um, how did you feel when, in the documentary, it talks about in 2011, um, he got his death sentence reduced to life without parole? How did, how did you and Brandon feel and take that? He, I know he was disappointed. There was a sense of relief, but I know that he was disappointed too. Um, we always believed and felt that at some point he would, that he would be released. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I've shared with you, it, he was just not in the, in the way that we thought yeah. that he would be. So you thought maybe, um, maybe they reduced it down from death to life without parole. You guys maybe thought it would be re- reduced a bit more significantly to where he could make parole and get out to life with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We did. And you know, that's where, again, I'll, I'll say, you know, the innocence project is great. 
Um, and I know that, um, it's much easier to, um, to utilize a story like that where someone, the DNA is there, they absolutely weren't there, they were totally innocent. And yes, those cases should be paramount, but somebody also needs to look at cases like Brandon's. Um, somebody also needs to be um, making those cases uh, their, their focus, you know, because like I said, he, he could have um, given back every, I believe every offender um, every man and woman who's incarcerated needs to have the opportunity to process, to take accountability and to take action yeah. and to, to repair, to repair their part of this world in some way. And that's why we're all here. And, um, what can and the justice they should system, have that. What can our prison system do better to help inmates get to that point where they're able to that's process a, a lot better? Huge topic they need to be asking the inmates what can we do to help you yeah you know what uh, you know what can we really do to help you what is it that you feel that you need i mean they they need to start there they need to let those guys have a voice yeah um you know and I, and i know how that can be and i know they can be manipulative or they can you know people i understand what's involved with that i know right. there's some mental health issues there but I do believe that there are there are men like Brandon who would be able to give them some sound. They would be a sounding board um, for the other guys, and they would be able to relay and advocate for all of the all of the other all of the other guys. Yeah. Um, I think they need to start listening to some of the key players that they have incarcerated. I agree with that. I think they I need to start listening to some of the key players and they would see changes that happen uh, that would just completely blow them away Yeah, because those guys have a voice and, and a lot of them like Brandon want to do good. They don't have that opportunity. And so they stay in this cycle, you know, of um, pushing their feelings on the back burner, not dealing with remorse. Right. Brandon, right. Brandon had remorse. He just wasn't able to process it. You know, um, he, he was at a level five death camp for a long time. You know, um, it's it's a place where you can't really be vulnerable. Right. Um, you know, and, and they need to start facilitating a little bit more of that as well, allowing those guys to process and to be able to deal that without remorse. It is sad that he had to sit in his cell and watch a television program and tap into that remorse. Yes. But yet I'm so grateful because I know that once again, that was just something that God divinely ordered. Brandon was called the next day by Zenak. About the documentary, yes. No no coincidence. Yeah, I know. And you know, and things just occurred from there. It wasn't until after he filmed that documentary that we found out that he had gastroesophageal cancer. That was just a you few know? months after the first interview, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we don't get we didn't get we didn't get mo any monetary gain from doing that. We didn't, um, you know, you you don't get paid for doing documentaries. Um, Brandon had no idea about the cancer. Everything that he shared and what I shared was so that we could break that that silence. Yeah, you know, we could we could start to break that silence, help other people. And my hope was that someone would look at Brandon's case and and say, look. You know, there's there's a lot that was left out here. Oh, there's yeah. more that can be done. Yeah. So, 
So, uh, how did how did you guys take that? Whenever y'all knew, found out that he had cancer. What was what was his spirits like? I mean, he, he was you know he was positive. Um, he went through chemotherapy for a while. It was uh, stage four. It was pretty okay. advanced. You know, I remember telling him, you know, Brandon, this is a really aggressive aggressive form of cancer. Um, you know, we were believing for his healing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and he was doing things physically necessary, but he was just so sick. Yeah. He was so sick all the time. Like he stopped calling. Mm. Um, I would call up there and I would talk to the director of nurses and she'd put him on the phone. You know, it got to where he couldn't make phone calls. You know, I would send, um, messages through JPay, um, which is another issue, by the way, they take advantage of the families. Oh yeah. Um, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah, we'll in have and you on itself. another podcast to talk about you know, that. Yeah. Grateful for that. But you know, it's so, so expensive. And it's then you have families who, yeah, it's families about, who are struggling anyway. People. It's, it's about the money. So, right. um, I noticed a little weight loss between the first interview and the second interview. Did he have a lot of yeah. uh, huge weight loss? Yeah. Yeah. Brennan was, Brennan was a big dude. He was a big dude. He was like 6'2". Um, I don't know. And he, looked a little, he looked a little thinner on that second interview. He was and a big so, guy. Yeah, he did. He, he lost uh, quite a bit of weight. Yeah. The, you know, my boys, I'm, I'm very grateful. My boys, um, Brandon's cellmate that he had for over 20 years, he was able to care for him and be with him wow. um, quite a bit, almost around the clock um, for end of life care. Wow. Um, my boys were able to be at bedside with their, with their father. And that was good for them. Jacob was able to have some special moments with his dad. And so was Jared. And so um, I'm very grateful for that. Very awesome. grateful. So, um, if Brandon was sitting here today, what do you think yeah. you would say to, to our listeners, whether they be former inmates, families of that have loved ones in prison? Uh, what, what, what do you think Brandon's message would be if he were able to say, say one more thing? I believe that Brandon would say, um, trust God and always do, do the right thing regardless of, of whether or not it's easy. Yeah. It's exactly what, that's exactly what he did. And that's, and that's what he to said. To protect his family. Yeah. 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 You know, and even at the end when he said, I wish I'd, I wish I'd have saved them instead of taking their life. You know, he, he wished he would, you said it too. You wish he'd have called Freddie out and he admitted, mm -hmm. he said, man, you know, when, when he's talking at the end of the documentary to the family, I guess they asked him to say something to the family or, or whatever. And he said, you know, he said, he said, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have taken up for him instead of taking their life. And um, so, uh, all right, yeah. if, if somebody's listening and their family and their loved one is going either on death row or life without parole or, or just uh, being a knucklehead in life and doing the wrong thing, addiction and stuff, what, what would you say to, to that family member? Continue to love them. Continue to love them. Um, continue to maintain as much contact as you possibly can. Uh, don't give up on them. Um, so good. You know, Brandon and I, we, we had gaps um, in our communication. We always loved each other. That never, that never changed. We understood each other. It's just really hard to explain. Yeah. 
don't give up on them and just continue to hold them, hold them accountable. Yeah. But um, accept them and love them for, for who they are. You know, um, it needs to be them that, that you love, you know, them as a person, them at their essence, them at their core, who you know them to be, you know, hold on to those things and focus on, focus on the good. You can't bend the truth and you can't deny the things that are not so good. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to maintain that contact. I, I think we, I thought we had more time with Brandon. I thought he'd be released and he'd go into some program and, you know, um, work through some things. And, you know, I, I think I always kind of left things open, um, for that. So, you know, don't underestimate things can change so quickly. Don't underestimate the time that you have. I think if you're in a position that I've been in where, um, you know, for over 20 years, you feel like you've just been, it's just, you know, like been silence. You know, it's almost like I was incarcerated in a way. If you're in that position, you you need to just um, continue to walk through things each day. You know, That's do good. do the right things, and it's in the most mundane that that we fulfill our purpose. Yeah, um, so good. And you know, just continue to be strong and and to do the right thing, and eventually everything just comes, it comes full circle, not always the way that we thought it would, but always for the, always for the good, you know, and I think about what happened with Brandon, if he would have taken up for those guys, would he, would he have been here? You know, would, would he, um, would that have been his last night? How would that have impacted my boys? And you know, we had time with him, and I think it's important to focus on what you have right. instead of what you don't have. That's so good. And when, when you all already feel like everything's been stripped away from you, you know, and, um, you know, even your, your dignity and your, um, your hope for your hope for a family. Yeah. I think that it's important to focus on what you have. Amen. I agree. So, <laughs> I agree. Well, listen, and it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt, and you're not going to cry, right? And you're not going to feel pain, right? You, you are. Yeah. It's indescribable. Yeah. To put words to some of the things that we had to go through, you know, you just have to continue to to try to, you know, focus on what you have and make it as beautiful as you can. Well, some of so. my listeners may be prayer, <clears throat> prayer warriors, and they may want to know how they can pray with you and your family. So. Uh, if, if, if the prayer warriors out there want to know, how can I pray for Michelle and her family? Uh, what would you say to them? Pray Psalms, pray Psalms for, for, for me and my family. All right. Yep. There's so much power in Psalms. So much. There's so much in, in Psalms. Um, especially in the original Hebrew, because there's, there is, numerical value attached with letters. Um, and it literally Psalms has keys that unlock things there. It's, it's powerful to pray the Psalms. That's awesome. So, yeah. And we, as women, um, when we pray miracles occur, they they happen. I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So. Well, uh, can people follow you on Facebook? Is that okay? Yeah. All you right. know, absolutely. If they would just do me a favor and um, just, you know, shoot me a message. Don't just send me a friend request, right. please. Um, yeah, let so me know. Reach out to me. Let me know. Let me know why. I've gotten a few requests. Um, and maybe, I, maybe I tend not to say, accept if I don't have a, you yeah. know, hey. You know, well, maybe, here's why I'm reaching out to you. Maybe if they just say, "Hey, I heard your, uh, I heard you on the podcast with Jada Anna, Forgiven Felons," um, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to be your friend. Maybe if they yeah. do that, then they'll, then you, you know, you know their, uh, their intentions. You so, bet. Awesome. Well, Great. thank, thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time, and um, it's, I mean, I feel like I've gotten to know you through text and phone calls and and our and our other interview. Um, that but i i i've enjoyed it uh thank, thank you for you. opening up me too thank you for opening oh, no up problem. thank you for being transparent <laughs> uh i know it's it's never easy going through um re- reliving something that was that was painful to go through and uh but but i also know that sometimes our pain can be a passport for others to freedom and yeah. and so thank you for being strong and brave and doing this and and it's an honor for me and a privilege to get to know you. And um, thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll probably have you back again sometime soon because we're going to be talking about certain topics. And and you're you're going to be, you know, what we call an expert on certain on topics on some topics. And so, uh, so anyway, all right, you good for another Can round I, later later on? Yeah, awesome. I'd love to. I'd love to. And I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, to share our story um, for giving giving it, us an avenue, and I say us because I feel like, you know, I'm I'm really trying to um, convey what I think that Brandon would feel and want yeah, want said. Absolutely. Um, you know, giving us an avenue and an opportunity to break the silence. Amen. You know, and I I know other wives and ex wives out there and children. You know, they know what I'm talking about. Yep. You know, you live in in. Um, you live in a realm of silence sometimes um, in a situation like this um, because there's repercussions yeah. of our own, yeah. of our own out here. Um, I also want to say that in listening to our story, I'm aware that, um, that the people who listen are doing me, they're doing Brandon and I a favor. And you are giving this opportunity and the people listening are doing us a favor and allowing us to heal. And so Zenac did that for us. Forgiven Felons is doing that for us. So thank you for, thank you for giving us that, for giving us the opportunity. I'm very grateful to you, to Zenac and, um, what they, they did for us. So, and, uh, you know, very grateful to my father in heaven. Amen. Amen. All well, right. Thank you once again. It's a pleasure. And again, to everybody listening, if you want to watch the documentary season two, uh, the episode uh, called Silent Order. Yes. And the title of the show is called I'm a Killer. And so, yeah. uh, and again, if you want to follow Michelle Strand on Facebook, we are friends uh, as well. Uh, just make sure you send her a message to let her know you heard her on the background check radio and um, with Forgiven Felons. And that way she'll know you're, you're friendly and not spam or somebody trying to, with bad intentions. So if there's enough interest, I'll, um, pull something together, um, for, for the wives. 
you yes, know, the wives absolutely. and the ex-wives. Support group. You know. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. We'll talk later. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone. So to summarize this episode, I want to highlight Michelle's desire to see the father of her children healed and whole and at the same time have access to his kids during this time. You know, family connection is so important during incarceration. I've seen firsthand when I was in prison what disowning family or cutting them off because of their crime they committed can do to an inmate emotionally and psychologically. Michelle moved her family across several states for her kids and her ex-husband. She stayed committed to his wholeness, even though she knew he wasn't going to share everything with her. When she found out why, though, she uh, through the documentary, she understood why he withheld some of it and was kind of deeply moved. You know, she talked about Brandon not feeling remorse for a very long time because he wasn't able to process everything. Even Brandon says he didn't feel remorse until he saw a mother on a TV show talking about the murder of her daughter. He said all he could think about was what he did to the Yates brothers and how how she felt about her own daughter's murder. Let me explain something to you. Prison is a hard place to process everything. You're just so concerned with surviving in there that you don't even have time to process anything, grief, remorse, pain, guilt, shame, nothing. Because when you process, you begin to show vulnerability. And that's not safe in prison. There are some prison programs like uh, Bridges to Life that help foster this process of remorse, but there's just not enough. Brandon says that day after he began to process the remorse in his own heart, he got a call about doing the documentary. Just several months from the first interview and weeks after his last, Brandon passed away. But not before he was able to process the remorse he felt for what he did. It was Brandon's connection to his family, I believe, that helped him through his time in prison. It was his desire to protect them and also Michelle's desire to keep Brandon a part of their lives, I believe, that helped him in the darkest moments. Michelle's faith in God is ultimately what kept her strong and what still keeps her strong today. I admire her so much for, the, for not only doing the documentary, but I thank her for boldly coming on here to share the faith side of her story. You know, the documentary also highlights some of the injustices in our system as well as partiality towards people with money. Our system only works for a certain group of people whose pockets it lines. I know that's a heavy and bold statement, but the more I try to help people, the more resistance I get from the system, and that resistance seems to be all tied to the money. Listen, thanks for tuning into this episode of Background Check. Please subscribe, and if this episode has touched you in some way, please rate and review us. Follow Forgiven Felons and Jadan, that's me, on social media to learn more about what we do. And we will see you on the next Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.